Are you the quantum mechanics? Yes, we are the quantum mechanics, the podcast that delves under the hood of the paranormal to work out what on earth is happening out there. And today we've got an episode where we're going to have a look back at some of the things that we've covered recently and look at what you've been telling us about them. Yeah, I'm, I'm calling it a supernatural smorgasbord. I like it. Thought that. Yeah, I, I, I thought that would work. Um, one of the reasons I wanted to do this, apart from the fact that there's a load of good stuff out there, um, I, don't know, I don't know what you think, but, but we've been on a bit of a roller coaster ride, really haven't we, the last few weeks? Because we've, we've had so many great guests and we've done so many good interviews that I was thinking the other day, it's almost like we've not paused for thought about it. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, no, that's true. It has been, like, when we haven't been doing our day jobs and we do have day jobs, this has been um, slightly all-consuming, but in a, in a really positive way. But it's been... Uh, a sort of a research interview post interview yeah. edit cycle the entire way through yes you're right and i've got there's a few people out there and I, you may be listening to this and i know we've said we want to get you on and talk about your book but i'm just i'm, I'm trying to it's like i've got books coming out of my ears i'm right. just trying to read and keep up with it so um so i don't know i just thought why don't we just pause take a breath and look back at some of the episodes done mainly because we've had so many great comments and such a lot of fantastic feedback and stories from people um that i thought would be great to share some of that and uh i think we we've done some uh we've we've gained a lot of new listeners over the last uh, last month really or last few weeks at least um so some of these episodes you might not know about so we'll give you a little bit of background on them um and uh and see what people have been saying about them so that's yeah. good to you but yeah no i think that's a great idea and, and i think that's right because we were um so thanks to podbean uh who are our platform they featured us as one of the top five new podcasts and i think that's how a lot of people have discovered us so they may only have found one or two of the things that we've been up to but we've put quite a lot of time effort and research into these things so i think it's really good to sort of uh ex show people what the what what we have on our market stall yeah and also just have because when we do the interviews as well sometimes you're so wrapped up in the interview that it takes a little while even for us i think to go through it and go god that was yeah, that came up. Or why didn't I ask that question or do that? So this is a good way for us to explore that stuff. Yeah, agreed. Um, I'd like to start with, um, we did an episode a few weeks ago, ago uh, about Jeff, the talking mongoose. We interviewed a guy called Christopher Joseph, who's an author. It was fantastic. Um, maybe you can get a little summary, maybe, Ben, of that episode and what it's about. Right. So Jeff, the talking mongoose is an entity that started communicating with family on the Isle of Man in 1930, 1931. And this was something that caused a bit of a stir in the national media in the UK and also became something of a 
uh, I would say sort of a local tourist attraction for uh, want of a better word. And I had been looking for a long while to find a definitive book, uh, a definitive summary of the subject. And Chris provided that and he was good enough to come on our show and talk talk about his his book. And it was funny because we, I think we described, I think it was in the episode title, it was about one writer's obsession because he told us that, you know, he, he'd meant to spend a year or so just researching and writing the book and ended up uh, spending seven years on it. And the other thing is, I think in the description of it, I I wrote something like, once you let Jeff into your life, he kind of buries his way into your head (laughs) and your heartstrings yeah Uh, and weirdly last week I I had an example of that which is really strange so I was in bed and I didn't know it but I was dreaming you know when you have those dreams when you're you think you're awake and you feel you're in your room and everything's normal so (laughs) I was I was dreaming and I could hear this rustling noise, right, that I thought was real. And I was like, God, there's something something in the room. There's something in the corner of the room. Guess what it was? I thought, oh, my God, there's a small animal in the corner of the room. Now, (laughs) we've mentioned on previous episodes that our um, cultural references do go back a little bit. So in my dream, which I thought was real, I thought the way I'll scare this thing... Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm laughing about it already. Was to sing a Chaz and Dave song. So, <laughs> so for those of you who are outside the UK <laughs> or uh, or young, <laughs> Chaz and Dave were this kind of I don't know how you describe Cockney kind of funny bands. Uh, very talented musicians, apparently, but um, no novelty yeah. band, I would probably say. Yeah, okay. Um, and they had this song called Gercher. So I decided that the way to kind of scare off this, which it felt to me at the time in the dream, was a kind of entity, but a small animal entity. Obviously, I had Jeff running through my brain um, subconsciously to sing Gercher. So I sing out. Uh, when the kids are swinging on the gate. <laughs> and then this little Jeff-like mini voice came back. When the paper boy is half an hour late. <laughs> and I just completely freaked out because I thought I was awake. And then I managed to wake out of my dream. It was the most surreal thing. And I was terrified when I woke up. Wow. So, like, he has really gotten into your psyche yeah yeah and i felt that talking to christopher it was like i know when i wrote that line it was something i can't remember exactly what i wrote but it was something like he'll burrow his way into your brain and tug on your heartstrings and i think i said be careful or you know you've been warned or something but i had this strong feeling after we did that interview that i felt it's not a literal presence and it's not a paranormal presence, but it, it, I felt a kind of weird presence after that interview that I, I'd somehow that there was something more than just curiosity 
and fascination about the Jeff story that there was something I couldn't quite put my finger on about it. I don't think I'm explaining myself really well, but there was something that was more going on than the way I felt about it, a presence. Well, we, we've we often asked guests, when you look at the paranormal, does it start looking back at you? And, yeah, I wonder, I wonder if that was it. Yeah, and I was terrified when I woke up. I was really terrified. It was like... It almost felt like a sleep paralysis incident, but it wasn't that extreme. But it felt really real. He's only a mongoose. He's only a mongoose, and he is mischievous. And it, uh, I just thought it was perfect, wasn't it? Chaz and Dave. I could see Jeff picking Chaz and Dave as a mischievous choice to kind of bury into my head. Yeah. Don't you think it f- feels very Jeff? Oh, it feels incredibly Jeff, yeah. But it makes me think again, like, after the interview, uh, Chris asked us what we thought Jeff was. And I said, I thought it was perhaps a poltergeist that um, was also added to a tulpa. So something that was the product of people's thoughts which is where the mongoose comes from and then the um the the poltergeist activity sort of gets overlaid on top of that and that would probably ring true if you're thinking about jeff the talking talking mongoose then perhaps he can still have the power to infiltrate your thoughts that's completely possible right i can't i can't remember which one's Chaz and which one's dave but i've now got a picture of jeff the mongoose sitting on the top of the <laughs> piano just dancing away which is quite funny um on jeff there was uh we had some we had some a lot of feedback online about uh jeff uh there was quite a lot of people who picked up on uh something christopher was talking about in the interview about that period in time, especially in the UK, and being a kind of hotbed, for want of a better word, of paranormal activity and stories uh, and beliefs in some ways, I think. And I, I think Christopher was saying, you know, you know, you'd had the recession, times were uncertain, the rise of fascism, all this kind of stuff. There were quite a few people who picked up on that theme and tend to be in a, agreement about it. And, you know, there were the list of paranormal investigators from that time. So I thought that was interesting. I think there is definitely something in that. Um, uh, we uh, talked a lot on there and online about it being one of mine and Ben's favourite paranormal cases. Uh, Glenn Harrison online said he agreed with that. It's one of his favourites as well. Um, yeah, it's well worth a listen to that episode because Christopher Joseph, who who wrote this incredible book and has been a, obsessing about Jeff for years, re- I mean, I was I just listening back to it, he just so knew his stuff, didn't he? You could... Oh yeah, he he just knew it inside out, and uh, I don't know. I think a bit like Jeff, you kind of he had a little bit of a glint in his eye of, 
you know, and I think he writes in that way as well, doesn't he? He's oh, yeah, of, he does write in that way, yeah. And, and like, when I, I said to him during the interview, I said that um, it had been something that fascinated me for years, and I was really hoping that I would read his book and go, oh, yeah, there's the answer. But it turns out that he thought that when he was writing the book, and uh, there really is no good answer and so it's one of the best paranormal stories because when you get to the end of all the evidence you still don't know where where it ends where you up feel on where it sits yeah no. well um uh we i think we said on the podcast christopher is writing uh another book at the moment it's a biography of dr eric dingwall who's a, a psychic researcher sexologist and spy so um I think he's going to once you can always go to uh Christopher's website to see what he's doing. It's www.jeffmongoose.co.uk. We'll put links to that in the podcast as well. But I'm really looking forward to that book as well and Christopher said he's going to come back and talk to us when uh, when that one's out. So I can't wait for that. Yeah, agreed. Uh let's move on to the uh again another amazing interview that we did last week. Paul H. Smith, Inside the U.S. Secret Psychic Spy Program. Um, yeah, I, I, you, you led that interview. I thought it was a really good interview. Um, and uh, Paul, yeah. So for people who don't know, tell us a little bit about Paul. So Paul was part of the what is called the Stargate Program, which was the CIA's pro, uh, well attempt to use remote viewing as, I suppose, a legitimate spying technique, a weapon, perhaps, you could call it. Yeah, yeah. An intelligence advantage. Right, maybe, is exactly. Word, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and I... I, I th- it's funny, I thought it was a very candid interview from Paul and... Um, I think we said in that episode that I think, again, it gave us another insight into the remote viewing world. Because I think when you come into these topics, you almost think, oh, this is it. You know, this is a subgroup of the paranormal and everybody thinks and acts in the same way. I think our experience of the remote viewing world has shown that it's quite a broad church of interests and beliefs in some ways of the system. Um, so, uh, and interesting, we did get, uh, online on Facebook, James Shear commented on the podcast, uh, his quote is major Smith is a class act, an excellent remote viewing teacher. So I'm assuming he's maybe studied under Paul as well, which, uh, uh class act, I think was a good description. Yeah, no, cl- class act, it absolutely sums him up <clears throat> like, um, Everything that he said, no matter whether you are a sceptical believer, you he he delivers it in such a way that um, you sort of you're drawn into his world, and uh, whether you believe him or not, he is believable. If you see what I mean, yeah. And he tells this great story in the podcast about one of the psychic remote viewers viewing a Soviet submarine 
and you know well not not view viewing a location and nobody knew what was in it and somebody saying no it's a soviet submarine and describing how it works and where the missiles came out and all that stuff which turned out to be totally accurate uh and you know when it finally uh i guess i was going to say hit the road hit the water <laughs> um uh and online because uh, we always do a photo album that accompanies every episode that we do uh, I, mean, I found a picture of that submarine, which which was almost like a schematic, and it can make complete sense to me when he was talking about the missile coming out the front of the submarine. This the schematic that I found had where the missile came out, and as I think, as if you listen to that podcast, Paul says that was a a revolutionary design that no one thought would work, and it wasn't until the Russians. Uh, that this submarine became public knowledge that they realised this psychic had found this stuff. So I thought those cases were just incredible. Um, We also had uh, a comment about the Russians, because I've been a bit obsessing about the Russians since that interview with Paul H. Smith. Uh, Royston Nugent says, uh, the US had experiments experimented quite a lot with wacky things in the past in order to get ahead of the Soviets. So I've no doubt that this is one of them. Remember, the Soviets also did the sleepless experiment in order to test and create super soldiers too. Of course, the Soviet Union has a habit of ignoring safety in order to try and get ahead of the USA. (laughs) Mistakes were made and some of these volunteers never came home. So, um, but I I was thinking back about, um, I think that is one area of this story we've not covered the remote viewing what the russians and maybe other people may have been doing i don't know if i think i think paul uh, alluded to the fact that maybe the chinese may have looked at it as well so that feels like something we could dig a little bit further on yeah i agree i agree so i think it's probably like it's common sense that uh whatever america was up to then uh eastern bloc people would be up to as well so yeah that is probably i will i would say that is on my list of let's try and find somebody from the eastern bloc in the 70s 80s and very early 90s who was involved in this and let's hear it from the other the other point of view yeah i just got this vision of them remote viewing mcdonald's or somewhere (laughs) going oh look at all that yeah it's uh yeah very interesting well we've got a we'll have something more on remote viewing quite soon because ben and i have been set a psychic target by uh daz smith who we interviewed a couple of months ago now who's Mm. another amazing remote viewer again another episode worth listen um so we will return to that story uh let's go for something completely different as they say world's scariest theme parks Cloggy. Cloggy. So, yeah, this was an episode we did. It was mainly spooky and paranormal theme parks, although we did do uh, uh, we did do some other ones as well. Uh, this uh, Cloggy. Yeah, Cloggy got quite a lot of attention online when we, we put it in social media. Lots of people like that Cloggy story, which I do as well. Um so, yeah, that was one of yours, wasn't it? Give us a quick summary of Cloggy, because people will go, what the hell are they talking about Cloggy for? Yeah, 
Cloggy haunts the Blackpool Pleasure Beach ghost train, which was the first ghost train built in the UK and changed its name from its... Well, I've subsequently found out I uh, I didn't know when we first recorded it, but it turns out that uh, the Pretzel Company was the name of the company that built these devices. Um, oh, that's right, yeah. But but it became the ghost train in the mid-30s, and Cloggy is supposed to be an ex-employee who is trying to maintain a level of customer service for the people who come and want to be entertained on the ghost train. Yeah. Well, it inspired um, on Facebook jamie francis to send in a really great story actually about an experience he had on a ghost train do you want to hear that oh yeah 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 it's really good uh so jamie says i had a bad experience on a ghost train when i was about five years old my father took me and my siblings to the local fair for some reason i decided i quite fancied going on the ghost train Within seconds of the train starting, I complained I was frightened, so my father told me to keep my eyes shut until the ride was over. At various points through the ride, the train would stop for a little while, monsters would pop out, then the train would carry on. Anyway, at some point the train stopped, and I mistakenly thought the ride was over, opened my eyes and saw this massive Frankenstein's monster. I thought, oh, I like him. And I I slipped out of the carriage and started walking towards this giant dummy. And speaking of giant dummies, which I hadn't realised was, my father had apparently also had his eyes closed during the ride. As soon as it ended, he opened his eyes, looked to his left, and to his horror, his young favourite, he says in brackets, Mm. child was now completely missing. According to my sister and brother that witnessed this, he screamed, Oh my God, you've killed him, you've killed him. (laughs) Apparently... (laughs) (laughs) apparently he thought i'd fallen out and got minced in the machinery or something oh my god anyway (laughs) anyway once they got my father to stop screaming the staff turned the ride off and went inside presumably looking for my body they quickly found me quite alive curled up at frankenstein's feet frankenstein's monster's feet uh i like to think i was this close to inspiring my own my own haunted ride legend I love that story. That's fantastic. Oh, well, thanks for sending that in. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I can imagine the dad just going, oh, yeah, child. Oh, my God. Where's... I, just, I just got the vision of him curled up at Frankenstein Monster's feet just asleep. That's fantastic. Yeah, no, that's great. Well, God, it, it would be nearly 20 years ago, and I was working for uh, a big broadcaster, and uh, our summer party always had uh, a fairground. And I was friends uh, with this guy who used to sit next to me. And uh, he was kind of like a rugby player. And we went to this summer party. And as most summer parties, particularly 20 years ago, the drink was free flowing and whatever. And oh, those are the days. Those were the days. <laughs> and the ghost train there was on uh, two levels. It was one of those where you sit in the carriage and it sort of it does like a double figure of eight, except sort of in the middle it goes up, if you see what I mean. Yeah. And um 
when it comes to the end, it has uh, like a a false end. So it has like a bit where you come through uh, like a curtain, if you if you like, and everybody around can see, but you're not finished yet. So some monsters jump out, and then there's another bit where you are finished. So it sort of the monsters jump out. Everybody around can see, and I guess it's like a great photo opportunity. And then the ride moves on a little bit more and everyone gets out. And uh, Simon had had a couple of pints. And at that moment, on the pre-getting out, Frankenstein's monster did indeed come out and sort of loom over him. And... I don't think Simon had been paying attention necessarily to what was going on because his instant reaction was to jump up and punch Frankenstein's <laughs> monster in the stomach. And at the moment... Was, it, was this an actor or was this a, a kind of... No, it was, a, it was an actor because wow. at, at that very moment, as soon as he did it, we were all watching and it was on like a an upper level... So we were kind of like our jaws dropped to go, oh my gosh, he's he's punched a person. And then <laughs> his pegs face punched Frankenstein's monster. Uh, as Frankenstein's <laughs> monster sort of doubles up, the carriage moves on to the actual end. And Simon has got this sort of uh remorse and he's turning around and, and shouting oh god i'm so sorry i'm so sorry it was it was like a reaction and then there was a moment like when he got out the carriage he walked round behind the scenes and we could see uh he was apologizing to frankenstein's monster and gave him a bit of a hug <laughs> and there was like a, a a handshake and uh yeah i i'm did not he, sh- did, did he say He's alive. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was like a gut reaction, but literally, wow. Yeah, but I, I, I wondered. I didn't oh, ask at brilliant. the time, but I wonder how many times that poor guy dressed up as a monster oh. had been abused, and and indeed how many times someone had had to apologise to him, and uh, he took it in very good grace, and everyone was friends at the end, and nobody was actually hurt i think it was just a uh uh, a sort of um a reflex action we 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 we, we're the only podcast that could manage to squeeze in two stories about in some ways abusing a frankenstein monster aren't we oh i would think two separate stories um it, it reminds me actually though you saying that um i've actually got a story that is similar and what ties it in is that it happened in Blackpool. When I was a kid, I was probably about nine years old and we went to Blackpool to see the illumination. So people know outside the UK, every year they put on this uh, amazing lights around uh, the seafront and you go and see these these illuminations lit up. And there's various bits and pieces there to do. And when we were there, I was about nine years old, there was a Doctor Who exhibition. Oh. And I'd, you know, spent, as many of us did, spent my childhood kind of hiding behind my hands or partial sofas watching Doctor Who and terrified. 
and I remember, I seem to remember everyone was really tired and just wanted to kind of go and get something to eat or something. And I just kept on, you know, as a, as a child can do. I want to go and see the doctor. I want to go and see the doctor. I want to see. And it was the queue. and We queued up. And my dad said, I'll, t- I'll take you. I'll take you. So we did. And we got inside. And all I could hear was this noise of Cybermen and a Dalek in the distance. And I completely lost my nerve. and i remember after a couple of minutes my dad said you're very quiet and i said yeah i think i've seen enough now (laughs) and he was like we've just queued for like an hour we've only been here two minutes i said no i think i've seen enough now and then they had a dalek which i mean it wasn't high-tech days but you could press buttons and make its arms move and make it say things i was absolutely terrified and every inch of my body just wanted to get out of there as soon as possible so that's uh that's my one i didn't punch a dalek but um i certainly uh <laughs> i was very very frightened i remember it very very clearly but oh, i don't no. think my dad i have a lot of sympathy with that like i think uh i would say cybermen are more frightening the Daleks, but Daleks are pretty frightening. And even like my my dad, because when we used to watch Doctor Who, because like, I'm not sure if people are aware, but it was a Saturday tea time show. It was family viewing. And like uh, Cybermen probably were in it like one tenth of the time to how often Daleks were in it. And my dad would always say, like, the Daleks can't get you because they can't come upstairs. And then there was the episode when they did <laughs> they come could, upstairs. They get up the stairs. That, yeah, yes, they could fly. And yeah. that ruined what my dad said to me. And that was that was worse. Like, yeah. I still remember the terror of, oh, Christ, I thought they couldn't come upstairs, but it turns out... Now they can. Now they can. But that was the reason why Cybermen were more terrifying, because Cybermen could do everything that normal human. <laughs> normal humans could do, whereas yeah. Daleks just seemed to trundle around on caster wheels. But yeah. no, they could also fly. So, yeah, thanks, Russell <laughs> T. Davis and all of your yeah. people. yeah. Well, if anyone out there has got other stories of being traumatised as a child, let us know. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Jamie, Francis, thanks for that um, story of your experience of Frankenstein's Monster. I loved it. Actually, we've got a little bit more coming up from Jamie because he sent us uh, another message on something else. So, yeah, he's, uh, he's going to feature again in a minute. Um, I just wanted to clear up something uh on an episode we did called uh the chester haunting when we uh interviewed tony hayes uh so that that's maybe something that we'll revisit this is the investigation that paranormal investigations uk have been doing into an office block in chester right that's been going on for a while now hasn't it i know you've been in contact with them a fair bit haven't you yeah yeah Um, i would say it's been going on for at least four months now yes uh, and I think uh, we, at some point, we are going to go down and have a look at the site and uh, and do some recording down there. Again, it's got a little bit difficult because of the kind of restrictions that are going on with kind of a second wave of COVID. But um, we will return to that. But we we put a video on social media which uh, had some strange. Well, we put it was two videos, but we edited 
them together, which had uh, a weird kind of light feature that was picked up by one of the cameras that was moving in one corner of the screen and then something, a second one where something jumps across the screen. Um, we'll put a link to it in the description of this podcast if uh, either I'm not explaining it well or you can see it for yourself. Um, quite a few people pointed out about that video, especially the first part, uh, that it was a spider's web and that's quite common to get that effect. Um, but I was reading, and actually uh, Tony Hayes, uh, subsequent to lots of people saying that, um, sent us a report of the incident and I think they concluded the same thing, that the first part of the video is a spider's web but the second part, if people look through, you'll see something flying, looks like it's flying across the room. That's less explained, although a few people online have suggested that could be car headlights and stuff like that. But I'm pretty sure Tony had already ruled that out because of where the office is and what level it is. So uh, I think we're all in agreement. The first part of that video is a spider's web. Would you agree with that? And then the second part is still a bit unsure what that can be. Yeah. So I just yeah. want to clear that up, that we were... Uh, that the, it wasn't uh, just people online who made that deduction. Tony did as well. So I don't know. Well, well spotted to our listeners for uh, debunking part of that, at least, or explaining part of that. Absolutely. And I think it's also worth pointing out that um, since we had our first conversation with him about EVPs, he has installed a insect killing device in in the in the building and uh where he's got the cameras so i understand that wouldn't uh affect spiders but it would reduce the effect of like flying insects and stuff like that <laughs> sounds a bit harsh insect killing machine oh yeah <laughs> A, a flying insect reduction device uh a, a uh an insect trap an insect trap yes they all go and live on a farm <laughs> and they're all very happy i like insect trap at least leaves it am i being too oversensitive no no i think that's fine just as long as everybody knows that i donate to the rspca and uh, my dog is the most spoiled dog, so we're not animal haters, just as long no. as you know. Oh, <laughs> that's really odd. I've just got a little mosquito that's kind of landed on my 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 microphone, and I was just about to kill it. <laughs> Don't kill it. <laughs> no. Put it on your arm, it give it some bite. blood. Yeah, as long as it doesn't bite me. Let's move on. Uh to uh, another great interview we did uh, with Ruth Roper Wild. Uh, that one, it's got her name in the title. If you want to check that one out, it's called Ghost Writer. Um, uh, yeah, give us a little summary of what would you say to people why they should listen to that one. But that's a good one, I think. Well, I think about that one a lot. Yeah. So Ruth is an author. She's about to launch her fifth book. She has been cataloguing the paranormal stories of people across the UK for a number of years, and she keeps a database on it. And her background is that she's a fraud investigator for the benefits agency here in the UK. So she's, 
you know, she's nobody's fool, let's put it that way. And she has been cataloging the peculiar incidents that have happened to people. And I think what makes her different to other uh, authors is that she tries to corroborate evidence. So what her database gives her is evidence when multiple people who are unconnected report uh, incidences around a particular area, then it seems, you know, like there is something going on in that particular place. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think what what I, I think back about that interview, and again, what was great about Ruth is... Uh, she didn't like 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 we try not to. She didn't ham it up too much. She just wanted to hear people's stories and investigate them. She wasn't ses- sensationalizing them. I, I keep thinking about there was something she said in that podcast. Of um, she said she goes on ghost hunts quite a lot, um, and she said you know she only only something weird happens maybe one in 50 visits to a place mm-hmm. you know and i think it's funny we've talked about and i was thinking about that from a television point of view you know uh and i think christopher joseph touched on this when he talked about kind of psychics and mediums and the family involved in the jeff case that there's a pressure to produce and make stuff happen to kind of please your public in some ways and I just I thought a lot about what Ruth said about the one in 50 thing and it could be more than that but we know having worked in the media and television (laughs) if you went and pitched in and said I'm doing a show where we go and look for ghosts we're gonna film for 50 days but maybe one of them will get something it's just not going to happen, right? No, no. The expense would be far too much, and and I think that's probably why one should take television ghost hunting shows with a pinch of salt. I'm in no way saying that they're all fake or whatever, but I think that if you look at the the mechanics and the economics of it, then it doesn't make good sense that uh, it's very, very unlikely that you would rock up at a supposedly haunted destination with the budget to film there for two days and find enough material to fill an hour. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ruth also told us uh, an intriguing, or, or gave us a hint of an intriguing story that should be in her next book, uh, about a guy who was changing a light bulb in uh, Wilfer Power Plant in Wales. Do you remember that one? I do. Whereas, yeah, the guy's changing the light bulb and then he sees this kind of figure with no eyes, ghostly figure there, um, and amazingly finished his work before he left, but now has refused to go back into that uh, that location. It's, it's terrifying. I'm really looking forward to that in the new book as well that she'll, she'll have coming out soon. Uh, but a good friend of the show, Kath Bacon, said uh, that she listened to that podcast and that tale alone gave her the chills. Well, she, we, none of us know, but we were also teased by a trans-dimensional sausage. And yeah. 
that God, I forgot about the trans-dimensional sausage. Yeah. How could you forget? I know. <laughs> well, it's because it's trans-dimensional. Oh, sorry. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Myself in a parallel universe, remembered. I just forgot about it in this one. <laughs> I'm so looking forward to finding out about the trans-dimensional sausage. Yeah, it's going to be a banger. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, waka, waka, waka. Uh, shall I link to something else? Um, no. <laughs> um we also had the other thing uh, that we talked about with Ruth is um, sometimes the fear of ridicule stops people coming forward with their stories. That it's, you know, or it may be something simple that they don't want to talk about or the fear of ridicule. Uh, and uh, Jamie Francis, again, who told us that great story about um, his, uh, his Frankenstein monster ride, uh kind of echoes that point it's really interesting that he he wrote to us he said i really enjoyed this episode it was a fascinating listen some parallels with my own newly, newly developed interest in local supernatural tales and the thought that if these stories aren't recorded or documented in some way either due to witness uh, embarrassment fear of ridicule etc you may never notice any patterns or repetitions at a later date for example by chance I have a weird ghostly encounter story experienced by a relative told to me as a child and a story recently recounted to me that involved a friend of a friend. Both stories were separated by over 50 years and yet they both share similarities describing a very similar spectral figure encountered in the same location. Uh, and with neither willing to go public with their stories and the relative keeping it in the family... Who's to make the connection to these two weird occurrences if nobody wants to publicly talk about it or record them? Well, I thought it was a really good point. It made me think uh, that it's amazing that Ruth is putting this database together. That, so Ruth is building a database. Whether she publishes them in the books that she writes or not, she keeps a, a database of paranormal activities in different locations i think she said in the thing it's not that she's going to investigate them she just wants to log them and then other people at some point can have a look and make connections or do whatever um they do so i think it's, it's important to record these things yeah and and i guess what it does is highlight the uh, i suppose the bravery of these people that come that come forward which is kind of what this podcast is all about. Like, if if you've seen something and you expect ridicule from friends, family, the workplace, then um, you're not motivated to come forward with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, Jamie, thanks for that. So that's, that's two great... Uh, uh, comments that you've given us for this episode and um, if your family or friends do change their mind and want to share the story we're happy to uh, put you in contact with Ruth so you know either you can share the story or at least you can log it on her database I'm not sure where Jamie is from but um, I'm sure Ruth would be glad to hear the story or log it yeah agreed good and actually uh, Ruth is another person that we will get back on the show when uh, when her new book is out as well to talk to her about that because uh, I really enjoyed that chat. It was really good. Um, 
so uh, before we spent the night in our haunted pub looking for the pub ghost, we did a uh, we did our own chart show. Do you remember Britain's top ten haunted pubs? I do. How could I forget? Yeah, that got, that lots of people commented on that, and I think that that episode went down well. Um, so, uh, and I've got a great story. So we asked. I'm going to leave that for a second. I'm going to do that last. I think uh, we had a comment uh, after that episode from again another friend of the show, Donna Frasca. Uh, she said, "I've just visited a haunted distillery that used to be a prison." It was a very cool experience, and the samples were pretty good too. Um, and I just, I like, I like that idea. It's got, I got a bit of everything. It's now a distillery, but it was a prison. That's, that's got to have haunting potential, don't you? For a, it's not in Britain that one, so it can't fit in Britain's top ten haunted pubs. But uh, seems like a good combination. Many spirits. Yeah, many spirits. Um. <clears throat> going to close today with another thing on brit's britain's top 10 haunted pubs this is this is it's such a great story this so uh britain's top 10 pubs we went through a list not not our top 10 pubs but one that was published in a magazine and uh we did a bit of a summary of why they were haunted and um talk through some of the uh what's the word sightings and experiences that had happened there uh, and we got a, I got a message on Facebook from someone who'd stayed at one of these haunted pubs and had a weird ghostly experience. Ooh. So uh, this is from Lisa Coleman, who said she stayed at the Mermaid Inn in Rye. Uh, so let me just read you what she said, because this is great. She said, I've stayed twice now, and both times we had paranormal activity. We couldn't get into our room at one point as the door seemed stuck. It was a heavy wooden, there was a heavy wooden stool seat that sits next to the fireplace that was jammed up against the back of the door. Just think about that for a wee moment. So they sounds like they'd gone out, they'd been to the main bar, they came back after leaving the room, tried to open the door, they couldn't because a chair had been rammed up against the door by someone or something. Something, yeah. Something, yeah. Uh, She said, this was in the Elizabethan room. I told staff, three staff, and none of them said they had ever heard of this happening before, though one went very pale and looked like she was going to be ill. They (laughs) They didn't really want to hear about it since they have to work there, I guess. Um, she said, we loved it, though. Both my husband and I experienced it. Uh, we still scratch our heads about it. It was on September. It was in September in 2018. Uh, it was seriously out there. We can both remember exactly what we said at the time whilst we were trying to figure out what was going on. It's still very vivid for us both. Uh, we are from Australia and we'll be back again soon as it's safe to travel and we'll stay in the same room for a third time. Wow. Oh, that's really cool. Well, maybe uh, when you go back, maybe you could take some photographs and share it with our audience. I'd love that. Yeah. And also, if, you're, if you, you guys are over from Australia, give us a shout. We'll take you to our haunted pub. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, you can see if you can see Mrs. Tipple, the pub ghost there. Um, 
it's great though to kind of you know you kind of read these uh, haunted pubs kind of uh, it's a little bit abstract when you've not been there, but to actually get something from somebody who's stayed at one and or stayed a couple of times and had spooky experience is uh, is fantastic. But um, yeah, more more of those pub stories. We two things we love: pubs and paranormal, right? Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Yes, I, I'm all up for that. Good. Well. I guess that's the summary of some of the feedback that we've had. I just want to say, uh, please keep getting in touch with us and uh, tell, tell us your stories. Let us know what you think about the episodes. Um, tell your friends about us, don't you think, Ben? Yes. So we're so grateful for the number of people that are listening at the moment. It's Our podcast is always free to consume, but it isn't free to make. And the thing that can really make a difference is if you can tell your friends, just get one other person to sign up and subscribe, leave a review, give us a rating. Any of those things really, really help. So if you've got someone, now you're com- we're coming up to Halloween, if there's somebody that you know that would appreciate some of our spooky stories and tales... Just help them find us on their phone with whatever podcatcher they've got. Subscribe them, sign them up. Won't cost them a penny, obviously, and we'd be really, really appreciative. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's great. And, you know, we keep building and building, but, um, yeah, we want to get as many people listening as possible. So we really appreciate everybody supporting us. And if... Uh, you're new in because we were featured on the Podbean thing and stuff, go and check out the other episodes. Uh, there's some really good stuff there. Um, oh, sounded a bit showy off, doesn't it? But, I, well, let's put it this way. Some stuff we're kind of proud that we've made and we've Absolutely. really enjoyed doing it. And um, So go and have a listen to some of the other episodes and, yeah, as Ben said, tell your friends. And, uh, yeah, and then we'll be back next week. With the quantum mechanics. See you next time. Are you the quantum mechanics?